Location, location, no, wait a minute, that's real estate. Focus, focus, focus. That is the mantra of our next guest. Focus on the problem, the one problem, solve that and then move to the next. When you try and focus on everything, no one is happy. So today, we're going to talk about focus for growth marketing, how to solve those really big problems of getting your company to go and grow, how to get that tackled, how to get it addressed, what's the approach you should take, where's the mix of arts and science, how do you find people that can help you do that, and how do you focus your attention so that you can start to see real traction and real progress in the things that matter. Super complicated topic. We've got one of the best. She's leading the job at Crunchbase. She's been at amazing companies, which you're going to hear about, but you're going to want to listen to this today on Focus, Focus, Focus on how to build your growth team all today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited. Shani has won this amazing energy and this great presence, and she just knows this inside and out, and it's infectious. It's hard to not be excited talking to her, so I'm excited just introing her. She has been at great places like Dropbox and Salesforce and NVIDIA and PlayStation. You've heard of a couple of those brands. And now she's running marketing at Crunchbase, which you should all follow and keep tabs on. She is focused on helping organizations focus. Her big thing is let's get in and find the one problem, that epicenter, that's going to mean the biggest boulder gets knocked out of the way, the biggest thing, the impediment for growth gets knocked out and starts to become our asset. Then she goes to the next and then on to the next. She has a great way of bringing people along for the ride. She knows that this is an art and a science, and she approaches it with eyes wide open and with a calm understanding that helps her lead organizations towards success. If that at all sounds enticing, and why the hell wouldn't it? You're going to want to sit back and listen as Shani Benzer talks us through growth and focus. Shani, welcome to the podcast. Tell us why the hell are you here? Well... I had nothing better to do. And good answer. <laughs> I am here because you, Todd, are a person I have admired for a long time. And you taking the time to ask me to come on your podcast was pretty amazing. I thought this is really a career milestone I never thought I'd hit. So <laughs> <laughs> you are taking the risk to bring me on your podcast. I'm happy to be here. It's a it's a pretty big risk. Okay, let's ask the let's ask the more salient question. Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? Uh, I am Shani Benzer. I am a outspoken, strong female who is also a Leo. Loves long walks on the beach. And my job during the day is I am the head of marketing at a company called Crunchbase. Uh, Crunchbase is a place where innovators can discover interesting companies, find the people who are behind those companies, and pursue new business opportunities. Um, I've had a sort of interesting road to get here. I've done everything from PR to social media to crisis communications to digital media um, and now I get to take all those 
bits and pieces of my experience and bring them into one holistic team. And it's really exciting. Well, fabulous. I am a, uh, I am now a Crunchbase Pro user. So very excited. Got my license a couple of weeks ago. I've been loving and enjoying the tool. So nice little plug there. Um, okay. So let's, let's dive into the, the substance of this. You know, you and I are clearly going to have a lot of fun on this call. We always have a lot of fun when we talk. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge that we're hearing from founders over and over and over again is this black box approach of understanding the disciplines of marketing and in particular to growth marketing. You know, this is your bread and butter. This is your sweet spot. This is where you've really made a name for yourself and you've gone in and you started leading organizations now at, at companies like Crunchbase and started leading it from a growth perspective. So first, let's talk a little bit about the discipline of, of growth marketing. We'll just start off sl- small there. We've got a couple of directions we can go, but you know, what does that mean to you when you hear somebody talk about growth marketing? Let's start off with that one and then we can dive in a little bit deeper. To me, growth marketing is about either user acquisition or outbound sales generation. Probably more on the user acquisition side, but pretty much any usage of marketing in pursuit of bringing in more uh, user-driven revenue. Okay. So as we think about that, you know, one of the things that I, I love about your point of view is while there's experimentation, and we're going to talk specifically about experimentation, um, one of the things that you do is you don't take a very haphazard approach to this. You're very methodical in your approach, even while you're experimenting. So I want you to talk about that because I think this is really one of the hallmarks of a good growth marketer is this idea of iteration experimentation. Yeah, I've actually been accused of being too logical, even in my personal life. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that really serves me well in my professional life. Um, Pretty much all I'm using is, is common sense, right? I don't think that anything I'm doing is rocket science, but I just try to approach every problem by understanding first, what is the problem? What are we trying to do? Like, is our issue that we don't have enough people coming to our website? And because of that, the bottom of the funnel is really small. Or is there an issue that people who come to the website aren't interested in purchasing our product? So we need to fix that. And then I just look and see, okay, that is my problem. Now, what are some of the ways I could best approach that problem? Whereas maybe some some other folks in the industry approach it the other way, which is what are all the things marketing can do? And then I'm going to do some or many of those things and see what shakes out at the bottom. I like to start at the epicenter, start at the problem, and then work my way out into a strategy and then some tactics, um, and then always have really, really clear performance indicators to measure whether or not what I'm doing is actually achieving what I hope it will. So your approach, when you would come on, you'd you'd look at that core central problem versus I think what a lot of marketers might do is look at the suite of the discipline of marketing, all the things from brand, demand, product, your event strategy, your acquisition strategy, your business development strategy, sales enablement, et cetera. Look at the wealth of things. You're going to come in and say, what's the real problem that we're having and what's the one thing that I can go and fix and then go build from that again to your, your words epicenter. Yeah. And I think part of it is informed by what my research shows me. 
The other part of it is informed by what the company thinks is important. So if you're talking about somebody hiring a growth marketer, that's usually at a certain stage of a company when they're looking for that. Whether you're, you know, series A or series B or series C or even a late stage startup that's looking to IPO or maybe even a public company that needs growth in order to hit the numbers that their investors expect, there's usually something that the whole company is dealing with. And when you, let's say, let's say you go to a series B company, what they want is to have a rate of growth that's big enough to make them look appealing to investors so that they could get another round of funding. So they know what that rate of growth needs to be when they hire a growth marketer, the marketers kind of research or question should be, all right, what can marketing do to influence or help them reach that number? So again, it's, it's looking at that core issue. Cause I think one of the things that, that founders in particular, entrepreneurs, early stage um, leaders get, get sucked into is you, there's not one problem. There's 30, there's yeah. 50. Um, when you're at larger established companies, yes, your problems are more complex, but it's easier to focus on the couple of core things that haven't been addressed in the past. Yeah. When you're starting new, everything's broken or it doesn't <laughs> exist and needs to be created, right? Yeah. And so talk a little bit more about, you know, helping the methodology that you'd use, the approach that you'd use on helping founders at those earliest stages sort of figure out what's that first thing to go solve. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to a really, really small company, product market fit becomes your biggest thing. But let's say you're going to a company that has has already established some product market fit. So we're talking, you know, either late Series A or at least Series B. Um, what I typically do is I, I look at the customer journey, and there are millions of uh, versions of a customer journey. Um, but what I think about the, the different stages I look at are awareness, stage one, which is, have you heard of my brand? And maybe do you have a sense of what my brand is? Stage two is, all right, if you are actually a person who would ever be in need of my brand, have you considered me as a potential solution to your problem? And then stage three, it depends on whether you're like a self-serve company that has a, a trial or you just do direct conversions. If you have trial, I would say stage three is trial, like getting people to trial. Otherwise, I would say stage three is conversion. Like you know about us, you've considered us as a potential solution, and now you've made the decision, yep, I wanna hand over my cash in exchange for what your company can do. And then stage four is, is one that I think a lot of people jump over, uh, but I call it activation. So in, let's say, the first month that a new customer comes on, are you getting them to do the things that are highly correlated with a happy customer longer down the road? Um, and the reason why I call that out as a, as a single stage of the customer journey is because sometimes people wait too long to think about retention. Like let's say, um, let's say you subscribe to uh, something that's on an annual thing. So let's say I, I subscribe to Hulu Plus. Hulu without commercials because I need to get me that Handmaid's Tale and I need to watch it without commercials. <laughs> let's assume that Hulu is, is not a monthly recurring, let's say it's an annual fee. If Hulu was doing things irresponsibly, they would let me sign up and then on day 355, they would say, cool, you're up for renewal, just letting you know, or worse, day 364, 
your, your credit card is, has been charged. A company that handles things responsibly is they look at that first month when I come in, when I am sort of the most spongy of sponge customers, and they make sure that they understand me, they give me everything that I need so that I totally understand the value, and, that, and then we get to the next stage, which is retention. So am I actually engaged in that middle of the year and doing those things that we discovered in month one that I thought were valuable. Because if I get activated in month one and then I actually am engaged in month two through 12, I am way, 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 way more likely to renew when we come to the point of retention. And then the next stage is upsell. All right, let's say I love Handmaid's Tale. I love five other shows, but I hate watching commercials. That's where Hulu Plus would come in as an upsell. Hey, I noticed that you watch 15 shows a month. Have you ever considered watching those shows without commercials? This is how many minutes you would have saved last month. Oh, great. So that's now you get to that upsell opportunity. And then the last one, which I think is the, the greatest thing about the internet today, is the advocacy part. So you've not only shown me value, you've squeezed out an extra $5 a month from me, and I still love your product so much that I'd be willing to tell other people about it especially if you would, in exchange, give me some kind of value, whether it's a free month or, or not. Actually, I just, during the fires, purchased the Molecule air purifier. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's a, it is not cheap. It's an $800 air purifier. However, once you purchase the purifier, they have a referral program, which if, you, if somebody else purchase the, purchases the purifier, you get $75 back as a referral. Well, I purchased the purifier, I liked it, and I ended up going on my personal Twitter, which I don't frequently shill things on, and I just said, hey, if you're dealing with the fires, here's a code that you can use for me, it'll get you $75 off. In less than a week, five strangers, I think, purchased molecules from my code, and I got five $75 Amazon gift cards in no time, which just makes me have a higher affinity for this mm -hmm. brand as a whole. Not to mention, I can now breathe easily. Um, so yeah, to sort of to just to review those. So there's the awareness. Who's your brand? There's your consideration. I'm thinking of your brand as a potential solution. There's conversion. I've decided to hand over my money. There's activation. I understand why I'm happy to have handed over my money in my first month. There's this engagement and retention, which is you know months two through twelve. I'm still loving it. I'm getting all that value. And then there's the upsell, I want to give you even more money. And then there's advocacy, which is I want to help other people give you their money. Well, it's great to see you and hear you kind of walk through those, those phases. I, I think one of the things that I've heard in particular around sort of the go and grow startup culture specific to Silicon Valley is more of a focus on those earlier stages, less on the latter stages. And to a degree of... I want the advocacy, right? But skipping those sort of middle sections of, okay, I want to get you, I want to acquire you, I want you to be a customer. Now, I want you to become my advocate mm -hmm. with nothing in between and no motivation for the customer to actually go in and do a referral program, to go in and become that voice of the customer for you because you haven't done anything other than sell them a solution to actually win their loyalty. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a section that team seems to be skipped over quite a bit in the middle. Yeah, and I think it depends on how people respond to your product. So before Crunchbase, I was at Dropbox, and Dropbox was really known for their referral program. A lot of Dropbox's initial growth was driven by 
customer referrals. Um, it was actually driven by referrals from people who weren't even paying. They just loved the, the product so much. And if they referred other people to use Dropbox, they would get some free space. And so it was really a self, uh, a self feeding engine. Um, but not every company should focus on advocacy or it depends on when they should focus. Yeah. on it. And that kind of goes back to that first principle of what is both your problem and what is your unique value? So Dropbox had an extraordinarily high net promoter score, right? People were loving Dropbox. So if you do some sort of NPS measurement and you see that you have, you know, 80%, 90% or above, eight, nine or above, then you are definitely poised to have a referral program. If your net promoter score, your customer satisfaction score is relatively low, then maybe you don't need to focus on a referral program and you should focus more on stuffing the top of the funnel. So it really, it depends on what, what people think about you at that point in time and then whether advocacy or not is, is the right thing for you to focus on. But if you do get referral programs going, they're sort of those things that work 24 hours a day while you're awake and while you're sleeping. Right. Well, look, one of the things that I think sets you apart and why you've done so well in your career and where you've sort of grown and found your niche is you do have this very rational, focused, logical, maybe overly logical, <laughs> right? As, as apparently people in your inner circle would say, uh, logical approach to life. And, and that's serving you really well as a marketer. So let's, let's now apply this to those that are listening, founders, startups, executives at these companies. There's only one of you, right? Maybe people have been impressed with what they've heard on the podcast so far. They can try and poach you away from Crunchbase, but there's only one of you. So how does, how does a founder go in and interview, talk to specifically growth marketer candidates? What are the things that they should ask? What are the tips, the triggers, the things that they should look for to help find somebody that's going to help them with that? Hey, you know what? Our NPS score is off the freaking charts right now. We should start putting this thing in high gear or we're, we're leaking like a sieve in this one place. It's time to go get that thing fixed. Stop screwing around with the website. Let's focus in this one area. Mm. That's a real challenge, right? Because again, you can become scattered and all over the place. So I'm going to turn that back to you. How do they focus? How do they interview? How do they find candidates that really know their stuff? Well, I will say my, my career is, is probably one of the things where maybe I haven't had the most logical progression, but the illogical maybe bouncing that I've done has served me really well at this point where now I, I, I lead a team that covers every single part of marketing, including brand design and PR. So for me, having all that varied, a lot of exposure to a lot of different parts of the organization serves me well here. If you're hiring specifically a growth marketer and, and that's your focus, I would say there are a few traits that you really want to look for. Number one is performance orientation. So this person should always be talking about picking what key performance indicator they want to move and then how they plan to measure that. And if they're not talking about measurement, if they're trying to tell you there's no way to measure something, then I would say that's a red flag. There's maybe no perfect way to measure something, but the thing about measurement is it's more about relative change over time. It may not be the absolute number. 
Like for example, with marketing, especially with paid, attribution is a big problem that people are dealing with. But the attribution model is less about telling you, oh, marketing delivered this many absolute subscriptions for my business. It's more about telling you over time and at the campaign level, which of the things I'm doing is contributing the most to the bottom line. And then I'm gonna double down on those things. So a performance marketer should really have that mindset of, I may not know the perfect number, but I know a way to get to a number, which will give us actionable business insights. The second thing I would look for is an experimentation mindset. Somebody who thinks about the world not in terms of you know, black and white, oh, you just have to do this thing and then you'll get growth. It should be more like, okay, I have five hypotheses on how we can drive growth for the business and here's how I'm going to structure my experiment in a way that we can get to statistical significance in this much time. Here's how I'll measure it. And then here's what I'm gonna do after I find out whether or not my experiment was successful. And then I would say the third thing is you need somebody who, and this is probably where you will, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, is somebody who, who has a, um, a pretty high EQ as it relates to customers. Because there's art and science in growth. You know, the science is the measurement and the experimentation. The art is having an understanding of who the target customers are and what might get them excited, right? You're, you're guessing about how you're going to appeal to a group of human beings. So if you don't understand human beings at all, then you're going to be at a disadvantage. You may have to experiment more and for longer to get to an answer. Whereas if you have somebody who's just got really great instincts and understands your customers, they might hit pay dirt faster. One of the things that I love about C-Suite Radio, it's the sponsors. They're the ones that help put time, effort, energy, money, their brand and their reputation behind the show to make the show happen. And if it wasn't for them, we'd be out in a cornfield with a megaphone someplace. Maybe not that bad, but you get the idea. So I'd really appreciate it if you'd sit back and take a listen to one of our sponsors today. Thank you for taking a listen. Now let's get back to our in-depth engaging conversation with Shani Benzer. Oh, so actually understanding your customers might be valuable. I mean. Crazy talk. It wouldn't not be valuable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I like hesitate to just say understand your customers because like I've been on so many webinars and I feel like that, you know, I've gone numb to that. But yeah. What the way I think about it is like if you're a person who understands other people and you just have pretty good, like you're really good at Googling and you can search what those people are already getting excited about, you can take that knowledge into your experiments for growth. Yeah. It, I think it's just being open to the idea of empathy versus just sitting back and making this all science and all modeling and all scientific modeling and not oh. having a direct connection to a customer. Totally. Like, for example, with, with Crunchbase, we know that there are salespeople who use Crunchbase and they use it to do their sales prospecting. The other thing we know, thanks to the sales team here at Crunchbase, is that Q4 is a hot quarter for people who are looking for tools to help them with sales prospecting. All right. Well, now we know Q4. Let's focus on salespeople and let's focus on messaging that speaks to the pain that they're in, which is I need to close deals before the end of the year. And we'll just test a bunch of messaging around that. You know what I mean? Like we we just had to talk to the people. The people told us what to say. And then we went out into the market and it works. 
Got it. Okay. Again, pretty, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? Logical. It's logical. It's common <laughs> sense marketing. <laughs> Maybe that's the first thing you should look for. If, if a marketer comes in and tells you you wouldn't understand, that's also a red flag. <laughs> if a marketer can come in and put things in terms that any member of the company can understand, I think that's a really big green flag. Got it. Nice. Okay. Um, you know, the, the podcast itself goes pretty by, by pretty quickly. So we've only got time for maybe one or two more points, but you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about um, was this idea of kind of focus and this general idea of being on a certain path, right? The path to success and really understanding that there's the couple of things that you've got to focus on ahead of you. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this idea of focus. And then let's talk a little bit about, you know, taking this sort of same methodology, the same approach and how it can apply not to just growth marketing, but other disciplines of marketing, in fact, to other parts of the business as well. What can I tell you about focus? <laughs> okay. Well, I think one of the things, and we touched on it a little bit, but you know, you had this great point of view of um, if you're on a certain path, you've developed a hypothesis, don't focus on the thing that's three or five steps down the road. Focus on the immediacy and the pain point of the thing that's right in front of you. You know, these, these podcasts go by really quickly. We've only got time for another question or so. I think one of the things that I really wanted to spend a little time talking to you about is this notion of focus. Um, again, your logical direct approach, but you really have this great way of focusing on the singular problem or issue that an organization is facing. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you're applying that and how you're thinking about this area of focus for organizations. And as a founder, if you're looking at the 30 things that need to be fixed, Talk to us about how you focus in on that one thing that really needs to be the standout. Yes. So, you know, I mentioned that a good marketer should be able to put things into terms that everybody understands. And uh, one metaphor I love to use is relationships. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had the joy of reading any type of relationship self help book or talking to any therapist about relationships. But one of the things they tell you is when you fight, you should fight about the thing and not about everything else. So like if you're fighting about somebody who doesn't take out the garbage, only fight about not taking out the garbage. Don't fight about, and also you didn't pick the kids <laughs> up. And also remember that one time you didn't pick up the check. So I think the same thing is true when you're choosing where to invest for marketing. You don't need to solve the picking up the kids from school problem. You don't need to solve the picking up the check problem. You only need to solve the garbage problem. Let's say your garbage problem is that you have people who come to your website, but they don't visit your premium product pages or they visit your pretty product pages, but they don't sign up to pay. So you know that your problem there is you have a conversion problem on page. Your problem isn't, I need to go invest more money in a brand campaign, I need to invest in events, I need to invest in a, a customer email. Your problem is you need to fix the conversion on that page. And 
that's where you should focus your team's energies and efforts, is trying to solve that thing, or at least coming to the conclusion that you have no way to move that anymore. And so then you'll start to you know, look at some of the other problems that you have on your plate. But if you try to solve everything at once, usually nobody wins. Problem. Yeah, and and I think that's the the real key here, right? Because again, we you, we've heard from a few founders and even a few marketers that have worked for founders and in these early stage companies where they'll look at everything in toto. They'll say, "Well, I need to build a community, but I also need to convert them. I need to bring in some loyal customers. I need to bring in some revenue. Oh, I want to make those customers advocates. I have to create a great experience for them." So they're looking at everything this entire pipeline, if you will, they're looking at it in toto instead of, okay, you can't really do any of those things until you build a community and start filling that funnel, right? Yeah. That pipeline, if you will. Yeah. And so let's go focus on that one particular area before we start focusing on fixing all the other stuff down the line. Totally. Sometimes what I do to demonstrate mm -hmm. that is I'll, I'll build a, a spreadsheet and I'll just show if we only moved one of the, the stages of the funnel, 10%, what would that do to the number we care about the most? And what you end up finding, not surprisingly, is that when you do the 10% change at the stage just before the number you care about, that has the biggest impact and a bigger impact than if you do it two steps before. Yeah. So like, let's say you have, you have 100,000 people who come who are aware of your product and then 10,000 of those people come to your website and then a hundred people convert at the end of the day. If you were to increase either the hundred thousand by 10% or increase the conversion rate by 10%, which thing would you get bigger number at the bottom? The conversion rate, right? Like that increasing that conversion rate by 10% will be better than decreasing the actual absolute number of visitors you get at the top. So that's how I would choose is whichever number is just before the thing I care about, I'm going to try to push that one up and focus on that first because it will yield the, the thing I want. Yeah. And I, and I think that's one of the, the nice things about your approach. And again, the, we've, we're sort of joked about it, but it's the, the nice thing about the logical nature of you is you articulate a problem, you focus on it you find a way to bring people on board, right? So there's even a little bit of storytelling here. You find a way to bring people on board and get people rallied around this one central key idea. Mm -hmm. And then you go fix that. And then you're reporting back on what that issue is and how you've moved the needle or not. And then you make determinations as a team on what to go focus on next. And while that may sound simplistic, right? It's also the way to go in and drive change within your customer base and within a company and in your share of market because you've approached it on one thing and making that one change versus trying to do a little bit of, you know, peanut butter smearing on everything. Yeah. A little bit of spackle on all the holes in the, in the business versus just trying to fix that one big thing. Yeah. And, and look, if you see that there's a quick win in one of the other areas that really wouldn't take resources away from what you're trying to do, and you truly feel like you can just get that out the door, there's nothing saying that you can't do that. Yeah. But you, you touched on this point around rallying the troops. And what I've seen is that, especially in a smaller company, the 
the goals are held not just within the team, but at the company level. And if the company is aligned on what the number they're trying to move is and which part of the funnel they can make the change in, then everybody gets excited about yeah. moving that number versus like marketing's trying to get everybody's attention, sales is trying to get everybody's attention, products trying to get everybody's attention. Let's all just have our attention be on the same thing and then we collectively move a number that we care about. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. That's a great price place to leave because that was, uh, that was the pull quote of the interview is helping us to focus on that one thing and get the teams rallied around it. So I absolutely love that. Um, Shani, thank you so much for coming on. Really love talking to you. Uh, clearly we don't have any fun together. So that's, that's always been a real challenge, but, um, but thank you for coming on and spending some time on the call today. The focus on focus on methodology and approach and how to identify a really good marketer and what are the questions to ask and what are some of the flags to look out for or to be driven toward, uh, I think was really key and really essential for what most founders are really struggling with today. So, so thank you for adding a little bit of clarity to that. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me and for humoring me and in, in, in listening to some of the things I had to say. I, I will reiterate, I think that marketing comes in lots of different shapes and sizes and flavors and colors. So this is just how I see it, but I think there are, you know, other ways that you could reach the same goal. Perfect. All right. Well, with that, thank you so much and have a great rest of the day. You too. All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Shani talk. She has just got it dialed in. I love her ideas around common sense. And yes, it's easy to sit back and say, well, duh, that's how you should handle it. But she's one of the few that looks at this and demystifies it and puts it into terms that people can go, yeah, that's the thing we should focus on. This is where we should put our effort and energy. And then she goes and leads the charge to go and get that done. And she knows how to bring the people along. She knows how to communicate it. And she has a great insight on when you're bringing in marketers and you're helping to bring in that next generation of people, if someone can't come in and articulate what the problems are and do it in a way that every single in the person per, person in the company could understand, that's probably not a great fit. That's more of a red flag. And if they can communicate effectively, huge green flag. I love her practicality on this and I love her ideas on if you try and solve everything at once, you'll solve nothing and no one is happy. If you want to continue to follow Shani, then she is S-B-E-N-Zur. That's Shani Benzur, but S-Benzur at Twitter. You can also follow, follow her with her full name at Shani, S-H-A-N, two E's, B-E-N-Z-U-R on Facebook. She is also Shani Benzur's website.com. So follow her, take a chance, take a listen. Keep, keep tabs on Shani and we will have more conversations with her down the road. As for us, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Listen to us on foundersplace.co and go ahead and buy the book for Pete's sakes. You know you want to, you know you've been thinking about it, just go ahead and commit already. The book is beyond product. It's helping founders and progressive leaders think and rethink how they're going to build and grow their organizations. It is available on foundersplace.co. It's available on Amazon. It is available at Barnes & Noble. And it's also available at your local friendly neighborhood bookstore. Thanks again for taking a listen. And we hope to hear you back next week. 
You've been listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.